0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us in music. And especially in that last song is brought right from the Gospel of Luke. It's Mary's song. But I today invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter one. We'll spend two weeks in Matthew and two weeks in Luke in our four Sundays of Advent. And this first Sunday is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And as we sang in Silent Night... Of round yon virgin, mother and child, as we lit the candle of hope. That our hope is found in Christ being born into the world. And yet, it doesn't all come instantly. It doesn't all come without maybe some hardship along the way, with some confusion. And like many of the good things in life, it might take some figuring out as we go. And so today we start with, um, actually with Joseph's understanding and part of his story in Christ being born along the way. As we think about hope, as we long for that perfect vision of Mary and Jesus, Christ the Savior being born, as that is our longing and our hope and our prayer, may we center our thoughts and attention to the stories in Scripture that tell us just how this came to be. So before we read Matthew 1, 18 through 25 together, I invite you to pray with me. God, we ask, knowing that you already are our source of hope, that you rekindle hope within us, may we hear the words of our faith today, and may they spark within us the same hope and longing that we should have for you in all times and in all seasons, in this time of Advent, by the power of your word, as your Holy Spirit moves within us. Lord, attune us to the hope that you mean us to have. Help us in the things that seem confusing. Help us to cherish that which we might take for granted. And in all of this, be our hope, our living hope, both now and forever. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hope is a powerful force, and it's an important one. And also, hope can be, well, maybe a little bit unexpected in how hope can show up, in how God can give us signs of hope along the way. And as we think about Christmas, as we think about round young virgin mother and child, that's a very clear indicator of hope for us, because we know that story, we know how it will continue. And if we don't, we can read up on that. But we have to remember that actually a baby is kind of a strange sign of hope. A baby is a strange sign of hope. Now, it might not be the one that we are looking for, but it's exactly the one that God knows that we need. Because, I don't know, there's something about babies. Last week for baptism, I just kind of wanted to keep holding Micah Potter a little bit longer because there's something about holding that child there's something that we celebrate in in the goodness and innocence of a child but also a baby doesn't really show up and fix things right away and to play my cards for my own shortcomings as a parent babies are kind of hard to deal with and babies are also like they don't they don't really do anything for like a while Babies just kind of look at you. Well, eventually they look at you for a while. They don't even do that. They just need a lot of attention. A baby does not show up and fix things in the way that maybe we want. And we, friends, live in a world of quick fixes. We want results. We want direction. We want vision and execution, and we want it to happen at a pretty rapid pace and a baby being the sign of hope, Jesus being born into the world as a baby, not just, you know, coming down fully already as an adult like, hey, let's let's get on, let's get ready to go here. Jesus being born as a baby is a strange sign of hope. Because it shows that there's a certain amount of patience and maturity involved in the hope that God yearns for us to have. Babies take time. Because When the angel came to Joseph, when Mary was found to be pregnant, when all of this was happening, there was plenty of things wrong with the world that any one of us living in that day would long for, like, can we get some quick fixes going here? Can we get some miracles rolled out here? In Joseph's day, um, Rome was still in charge of what the Israelites would say is their promised land, but Rome is in charge. Herod is a terrible and oppressive ruler, um, one of the Jews who Rome gives the authority to be king over them. Herod is terrible and horrible. There's people who are poor and hungry and starving, there's sickness and disease. The world is not necessarily a great place in Joseph's day. And we would long to see just a legion of angels show up and fix everything. Wouldn't that be great? Isn't that the type of hope that we want? like the quick fix hope. I want everything reset back to, back to the way it should be instantly and good. And instead of a legion of angels, instead of Jesus being born as an adult, maybe riding a white horse ready to go to change the world, Jesus is instead born as a baby. Something that would be slow and patient. And we, in our short lifespans, and our reasonably short attention spans, and our reasonably short amount of time that we're willing to wait, maybe bristle against this a little bit. It's like, God, I want you to fix these things now. Jesus is born as a baby. He's going to spend 30 years just growing up before he even calls his disciples. 30 years? Nobody's got that kind of time to wait when we need something fixed now. The type of signs of hope that God gives us require, I think, more patience than what we're willing or wanting to have. Jesus is our hope, is our singular great hope. I think there's lots of good, lesser hopes that we might have, and and many of them are righteous and fitting. There are lesser things that we put some hope in. We extend some trust to them, some things that we hope for. There's all kinds of things that we put our hope in. And we are reminded that often those lesser hopes are fraught with disappointment. Maybe we hope for a promotion, only to get passed over, overlooked, despite all of our work and effort. We hope for a relationship, only to be faced with rejection. We hope in a particular investment, only for it to end up in the red. We hope for negative test results, only to be hit with the diagnosis that we feared. We hope for connection, only to face isolation. We hope for a child, only to be crushed by negative test results or the loss of that precious heartbeat. We hope in our families for forgiveness and apologies for relationships to be made right again, only to have it blow up in our faces. God knows that we need hope. Because our lives can be filled with disappointment, even in the things that we hoped for that seemed good. Even when we're like, God, what I'm hoping for is lined up with your will. Can you please just extend a hand and fix this? And the sign of hope that we receive in Christmas, that that carries us through Advent, is a baby. Who has to grow up. Who has to mature. Who doesn't fix anything instantly. And we long for the later stories in the Gospels of of the miracles and the healings and the feeding of thousands for all of these good things that Jesus did. And yet there's something that we learn about God's character and the design for hope in our human heart that we're given a baby. A baby is exactly the hope that we need even when it's not the type of sign that we want. Maybe some of you are just more patient than me, but I want quicker fixes. When I read through our sharing and caring list, our prayer page, I want things to be different and I want them to be good and I'd really like it to all happen like this week. And instead we're given this baby that needs to grow and mature. Think about the hopes that Joseph would have had in his life Joseph, we get the picture, was a righteous man who wanted to follow the law and also had enough integrity to to follow God's command as given by the angel, even when his life choices would give the appearance of adultery. But what would Joseph have been hoping for before all of this came to be? Joseph would have had some very reasonable hopes that that we could identify with. Certainly in a world occupied by Rome, Joseph's wishful thinking hope would be for that to no longer be a thing. But maybe his more realistic hope in his day, the hopes that we settle for, the little ones, is that maybe he could just stay in his small town, not get too much attention from any soldiers, just kind of fly under the radar and not get harassed by anybody. Joseph probably hoped as a carpenter to be good at his trade, that he could work hard, that he could make a living, that God would bless the work of his hands, that he could provide for his family. As an engaged man, Joseph is probably hoping and looking forward to having a meaningful marriage, to enjoying sex in ways that honor God's law, and to start having children as soon as possible, especially in the hope of having a son so that Joseph would have an heir for his family line. These are all reasonable and seemingly righteous hopes. Joseph, as a righteous man, would hope that he would continue to be able to give sacrifices at the temple for his sins and be right enough in God's eyes. And yet, in Joseph's lifetime, a lot of that hope gets turned upside down, doesn't it? A lot of the problems still continue, and yet everything changed with the baby being born. Everything changed And you could also argue that, well, nothing changed yet. That seems to be the tension that we live in as Christians. We know that the world has been changed by Christ, but we look around and we're like, but I can make the case that nothing has changed yet either. I can hold the hopes that I have in my heart and hold them before Christ and also go years, even decades, without seeing the answer to prayer that I was hoping for we think about Jesus being 30 years old before he starts to kind of get moving on what we want to jump from basically Christmas to Easter in our calendar year happens pretty fast, but that there were decades between. Hope is a hard thing to hold on to when we're faced with disappointment again and again and again. And yet hope is what we need. Hope is a complicated and powerful thing. There is a group of Christian poets who in collecting uh, different different poems around hope ask the question and give this answer how can we find hope amid uncertainty conflict or loss wonder if we've any experienced any of those uncertainty conflict or loss when we feel we have lost hope we may find inspiration in the words and deeds of others Using metaphors for hope seems appropriate as the concept of hope is difficult to describe. It is deeper than simple optimism and more mysterious, delicate, and elusive. It is a feeling we must develop and cultivate. But like faith, it is also a state with which we are graced, meaning hope and faith are a gift from God. Hope can foster determination and grit the ability to bounce back and to remain determined despite failures and setbacks when we make daily efforts to change and improve that which we can control. Hope is needed for its importance and resilience in our lives. I hear those words and I think of the hope that we have in this, the innocence of the manger scene, round young virgin and child, Longing for that silent night when when the world is still chaos all around, but there's this, there's this guarded space that's holy and perfect and good, where, where everything in the world is about to change and be transformed. But it's just not fully there yet. That type of hope that we long for. And I hear this description of hope around determination and grit, which is a good reminder for us that the hope that God gives us isn't just this gentle, simple, kind of like Hallmark and Etsy kind of hope, but that hope as a powerful force within us, that God gives us a graced state to us, hope will also give us grit and determination. Hope will give us perseverance that we might not otherwise be able to hold on to. And thinking of what Joseph is about to go through, knowing that, hey, this baby, this is, this is all a good thing, This, is God at work despite what it might look like? I think Joseph would need some grit and determination to know that probably for the rest of his life, people are going to think that either he married someone who committed adultery or that, well, you know, Joseph and Mary got together a little bit early. Joseph, from here, if you know the story and we'll get there in future weeks, is actually going to have to leave his hometown he's going to have to go for the first for the census and then he's going to have to flee all the way to Egypt. Joseph is going to have to go through a lot of things that he probably wasn't hoping for before Matthew 1 verse 18. And what will give him fuel for this? Hope that he has that can only be found in God. When all of his plans for life are evaporating away, when things are getting turned upside down and changed. Joseph Is willing to put all of his hope in what God is giving to him and is speaking to him. And we're told in verse 24, when Joseph woke up from this dream encounter with the angel, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He followed through. Because within his hope, within that beautiful, perfect vision of silent night that we eventually get to in this season, there's also grit and determination. That what Joseph will endure and go through, the travels that he and Mary will have, the peril that they will face, he can do. Because his hope is not in what his plans were for life, but in what God will continue to do in the world. And that he gets to be a part of that, though not mentioned much after this point in time. Joseph is willing to put his hope in the word of God as delivered by the angel. And he gets that it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to mean an easy life for him and Mary. And, you know, a few years later, they're going to forget their kid at church and and totally mess up his parents here and there too. Joseph's going to continue to be imperfect. And the world will continue to be imperfect. But also, he will endure the imperfections of the world because of the hope that God is still at work in the world. God has not given up on the world or on us. And in Advent, leading us to Christmas, we remember that that is still true today. So friends, if life seems a little bit heavy, if the burdens you're carrying are a little bit hard to carry, let's remember that hope can be a source of perseverance that God has not given up on the world or on you, that some of our lesser hopes, our smaller ones, not lesser of importance, but but smaller hopes, maybe um, lowercase h for hope instead of hope, capital H, like the big hope that we find in Christ, will continue on. Hope is not one of quick fixes, but hope says just you wait, and waiting is really hard but still hope says just you wait because what you're waiting for is good. Hope says we haven't reached our full potential yet, but we're headed towards it with some grit and tenacity. Hope says these things to our souls and hope has a name. Hope has the name of Jesus from Hebrew Yeshua. God will save us. Hope has the name Emmanuel. God is with us us. And so hope is not a Hallmark card. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope is not wanting to escape from pain, but hope is the reminder that God is with us, that God will be with us, and will never leave us or forsake us, and that hope will continue to be a graced state with which we persevere through every trial and hardship in this life. So think of the things that you've hoped for that have been met with disappointment. The times, maybe, maybe it was before, maybe it's right now where life seems to be falling apart. And what holds us together? Well, we need that complicated hope that is both delicate and gentle and also will stir within our souls maybe more than what we thought we were capable of. The type of hope that God plants within us is slow and steady, patient and enduring. And it's the type of hope that celebrates every small victory. So as we go through Advent, as you think about what you're hoping for and what you've been disappointed with, think back to a baby. Think of virgin and child holding that small, precious child. And then remember what it's like when a baby is learning to walk. Because remember, babies really just can't do very much. But when you watch a baby learn to walk, you're not like berating it like, come on, why are you so bad at this? Why can't you be better at walking? That's not how we treat children. Okay, that was a joke. At least Chris and Vicky thought it was funny. We don't berate our children when they're learning things. We celebrate with them. Even though we look at it, it's like, at one level, this is not that impressive. Like, good job, you're holding onto the couch and like shuffling. But we celebrate it, don't we? Because it captures something that there's more potential being unlocked, that this child is growing and becoming stronger and terrifying us a little bit because now they're more unexpected in what they can do. And the hope that God gives us is like that. It's like, whoa, there's more that's going to happen. There's more potential to this whole thing. And that as God watches us struggle with our disappointment and with our hope, just remember that God is not up there being like, come on, why can't you get it right? You're a huge disappointment. Why can't you just learn to walk? God is a loving father, and God takes on that same lens that we would have towards a baby learning to walk. Seeing this precious little sign of hope and seeing them learn and grow and endure knowing that their life will not be perfect, that they'll face hardship, but our hope for them is that they will have hope that will keep them going, that will fuel them, that will give them, maybe sometimes respite when they need it, when life is really hard, but also celebration of every small victory. When we remember that this is our vision of hope, let's remember that even baby Jesus had to learn to walk. Because God did not send quick fixes. Because a quick fix, you're in and you're out and gone again. The type of hope that God gives us is the patient and enduring hope that will be with us, that will walk alongside of us, that will even teach us to walk. And that God is saying, I'm here for the long haul. If it takes 30 years to even get started, that's good. And I even say that out loud and I cringe a little bit because I want quicker fixes than 30 years. That's like most of my lifespan. This is the hope that God gives us virgin and child, slow, steady, patient, beautiful and precious. Yes. Filled with grit and determination, fueling our tenacity and perseverance for the world. Yes, and amen. Everything changed with that picture of hope. And we could say, well, nothing's changed yet, but hope will endure within us, even when we're longing for the change that we want to see on God's timeline and not ours. And God knows that it's easy for us to lose hope. God knows that it's easy for us to be discouraged that we need lots of little reminders along the way. That as Joseph and Mary looked at the world and saw it's not all changing yet, it's not all better yet, but then they could look at Jesus and say, but it's gonna be, that Jesus would be a daily reminder to them that hope was alive and well because hope has the name Jesus. Which is why we're given a meal, which is why we celebrate communion on this first Sunday of Advent a meal of nothing too fancy, just bread and juice. But to remind us where we place our hope is in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That we need daily reminders of hope, just as we need a daily meal. But as we come together on this Lord's Day, we come in remembrance, communion, and yes, that great word, hope. We come in remembrance that Christ was born into the world, that for you he lived, for you he died. All of this he did for you, even when you knew nothing of it. We come in remembrance that Christ took on our flesh and blood, that he lived the holy and perfect life, divine obedience that we could not do on our own, and that he died for us and rose again for us, and ascended and told us, I am with you always, to the very end of the age, and I will never leave you or forsake you. This we remember as we come to this supper, which Jesus gave to us as a gift. We also come in communion. We come in communion knowing that it takes all of us to encourage and walk alongside of one another to keep our hope alive. We come in communion with Christ our Lord, who is present with us. We also share this supper in communion with one another, knowing that it does not belong to any one of us exclusively, but it is Christ's table to which we are invited to join together as brothers and sisters and also to be united with Christ our Lord. We come in communion that the Holy Spirit may be near to us, and we come in hope. We come in hope for that great and glorious day, yes, where, where everything will be made right, For the deaf will hear, the blind will see, see, the mute will speak, and the lame will walk. Yes, we long for that day, that hopeful day of Revelation 21, when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. We come in that hope. And we come here to this table for the small hope, the little reminder that we need, the little bread and a little bit of juice to keep us marching forward to keep us encouraging one another. We come with that little hope and with that big hope today and all.